welcome to BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT. This is our Gem of All Mechanisms podcast. I'm Brian Runciman, and uh, for the first time in A uh, as well as uh, V, or V as well as A, uh, should I say. And today we've got a really good guest. It's uh, Jimmy Wells, the founder of Wikipedia. So first of all, can I say hello, Jimmy, and welcome. Hello, thanks. Thanks for having me. That's excellent. So um, we actually interviewed you the last time in 2010. So it seems like we've left a little bit of a long gap there. So <laughs> Not, not much has happened in technology since then. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Notoriously slow moving, so we don't need to worry too much. Um, I mean, you've been going for 22 years now, 2001, isn't it, I think? Um, so, in fact, our last talk to you was closer to the start of Wikipedia mm, than now. Yes, so yes. We've been remiss there, so apologies. But um, just to pick up on, on something you, you said to us back then in 2010, you said that Wikipedia at the time was pretty good in parts, and I think it might have got a bit better since then. What's your... What's your view now? Um, it's pretty good in parts. And yeah, I think it has gotten a bit better uh, since then. Um, we're, we always try to be, uh, you know, very humble about Wikipedia. Uh, it isn't perfect, um, but it's pretty good. Um, and we try really hard to make it as good as we possibly can, um, which is, as it turns out, quite important in the world. And I think that's the the nature of doing high quality reference material for a general audience mm. uh, is it's actually quite hard uh, to get everything right. And uh, we do our best. So since 2010, of course, we, we've had um, um, so many things happen politically. It, the political situation has got a lot more divisive. We've, of course, had the, uh, mm. uh, the, the, um, the COVID um, as well. So I'm just wondering now how you feel about fake news. I think maybe you view yourself as mm. a sort of front line maybe in the war against fake news? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely do um, in, a, in a sense. Uh, certainly, um, you know, we try to be a place that people can come to uh, that's a better alternative than a lot of random low-quality uh, information sources. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, we still have a, a huge problem online with... Uh, fake news or extremely biased sources uh, and things like that. Um, in terms of being on the front line makes it sound like uh, that we're doing battle with that sort of thing uh, every day, but we, we sort of aren't. Uh, we, we sort of are and we sort of aren't. And the truth is that sort of the flood of uh, misinformation, disinformation hasn't really impacted Wikipedia too strongly just because our community is quite fierce about it. Um, and so... We don't have huge sort of complicated debates internally about nonsense. Uh, we just say it's nonsense and it's published in bad places. And so therefore we just ignore it. And so if you come to Wikipedia to try to put in your, I don't know, what would it be these days, your Dr. Fauci conspiracy theory or whatever, mm. um, you're not going to get very far. It's just going to get reverted very quickly. <clears throat> and then I hope uh, if you come and you want to put in your, um, thoughtful criticism of Dr. Fauci information that's sourced to reliable sources. Yeah, great. That's good. Like we're not, we're not here to push any particular agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, and to the extent that there are legitimate debates, and of course there, there often are, um, we want to not take one side or the other in those debates. So you're, I, I seem to remember your mantra being, or your principle being more about verifiability than the truth as such. Is that, is that still the way you view things? Well, I mean, that was a there was an expression uh, in our policy pages at one point that mm -hmm. 
I think, leaned too heavily on that concept. Um, and I think it's been rewritten now to move those two words further apart. Uh, because verifiability, not truth, doesn't sound right to me. Mm. Uh, we want everything in Wikipedia to be true. Uh, and we want everything to be verifiable. And so uh, putting those in tension with each other, I think, is something of a mistake. The only way as humans we can get to the truth is by very thoughtfully considering a wide range of verifiable information. Um, the point of that was really to say, look, we're not in a position as Wikipedians to uh, judge for all humankind, what is the truth with a capital T on every subject? Mm. So it's much easier for us to say, okay, look, we're just gonna, we're gonna, we are gonna help decide what counts as a reliable source. We actually are quite good at that. Um, and we're gonna thoughtfully chew through that. Uh, and then we're gonna refer to those reliable sources as much as possible. And if those reliable sources are in conflict, Great, that's fine. We're Wikipedians like that. We we write we write up both sides and we try to explain what the debate is about. Um, and so that's what that concept means. Uh, and it's it's in no way skepticism about the existence of truth um, or the desirability of truth. Hmm. I, I, I would um, look at it myself and and perhaps um, say that you you're quite good at giving nuance to conversations because of the sheer breadth of the references you can put in that you have and one of the one of the problems you've had at bcs is that um you know nuance tends to get left, left out of conversations ai is either a terminator or or it's, or it's just a little program to do your job right right is that, yeah. how, you, is that how you view it that you you get the yeah. nuance into the conversation yeah and i and i think we you know that's a really core part of of our spirit of how we do things and of course mm. um that's uh that's true of almost every area of human knowledge. I mean, certainly it's true of contentious areas, um, but even in areas that aren't particularly controversial to most people at all, uh, there's still often gonna be, you know, more than one take, more than one sort of perspectives. Um, and to be able to, you know, approach that and explain it in a nuanced way, I think is is really, uh, really valuable. And it's what you want ultimately from an encyclopedia. I don't come go to an encyclopedia to be told one side of the story. Um, I also don't come to an encyclopedia to hear every possible random idea anybody might have. Mm. But in the middle area where there's like, you know, you know what, there's actually legitimate debate on this topic. Um, and therefore we should cover that legitimate debate. Yeah, that's really interesting. It put me immediately in mind when I was just um, reading up uh, before talking to you today about the fact that Apple TV have recently done a huge a version of Asimov's foundation, haven't they? We which is which is about the library, the huge, you know, <laughs> all right, yes, encyclopedists. They're called, aren't they? It seems yes. like it might be a version <laughs> of that. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because there's also um, the Douglas Adams uh, series that has yeah. uh, uh, an Encyclopedia Galactica. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. absolutely. Yeah. So I remember um, a, a few years back, you 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 were. It seemed like you were losing some of your editors. That seems to be all stabilised now. How's how's the community working from your point of view? Twenty two years in now, so it's obviously sustainable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say we we had a decline from the absolute peak, which was in a, I think two thousand seven around that, and then it's stabilised uh, soon after. I would say since twenty ten, it's been relatively stable. Uh, some ups and some downs over the years, just depending. Uh, and, uh, but it, you know, it, it's, it's not in any kind of 
ter terminal decline or anything like that. And I think one of the reasons, uh, possibly the main reason uh, for that is during that first big flurry of activity uh, culminating in 2007, it was still pretty easy to start a Wikipedia entry about a topic that clearly belongs in the encyclopedia. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, almost any town in the world that you can think of today is already in Wikipedia. Almost any uh, well-known author, scientist, um, chemical, you know, all kinds of things are really already in Wikipedia and oftentimes quite impressive. So um, I actually remember uh, once a long time ago, uh, I had just come to the UK, so it must have been around 2010, um, and I was telling my partner, uh, now my wife, we, we were dating at the time, um, about uh, the governor, George Wallace, from Alabama, where I grew up, who was very famous in the U.S., as a racist governor of Alabama who ran for president and he was shot and paralyzed and uh, later went on in life to win an election as governor of Alabama with the majority of the black vote, which is quite shocking given right. that he was uh, overtly segregationist at an earlier stage. So he's an interesting politician and I would say definitely a bad guy, but an interesting story. And so I was telling her all about him and I thought, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm actually, I know a lot about this. I grew up in Alabama. Um, I'm going to go and see if there's anything I can add to the Wikipedia entry. And even then in 2010, it was like, wow, this is really good. It's really long. It's really comprehensive. It's got dozens, hundreds of sources. Uh, and I've learned a lot from it that I didn't even know myself, even though I thought I knew the topic. Um, and so you can you can imagine there would have been a time when you would have been that first person to type uh, George Wallace was a governor in Alabama and hit save and and it's not much, but you could get started. So when it became a lot harder to contribute because a lot is of the work was already done and it's more and more obscure topics, I th I'd say we lost uh, some some level of casual contributors and it was really people who are massively into it. Um, yeah. And that kind of carries on today. Do you think part of the motivation is that uh, people are more and more seized by the importance of getting things to be accurate? I mean, but BCS, we're very much about the ethics of things. We're very interested in that particular area. Do you think that's a motivating force or do people just like telling other people things? Yeah, no, I think it's, it is a key, uh, <clears throat> it's a key point of pride for the community and a, and a key motivation. I mean, well, I think we're all aware that in, in the world, we will collectively make very bad decisions if we don't have the facts. Um, it's not possible to make good decisions if you don't understand what's going on. And we know that uh, in many cases, uh, we have uh, world leaders who are often quite loose with their connection to reality and the facts. And that's important. No uh, we have, uh, yeah, you know, no names. I, I wouldn't mention Donald Trump if you asked me to. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, but if you, you know, when you look at that sort of thing, people do really sense um, that okay, wow, like actually there are facts and they're not particularly difficult or hard to, to get at. Mm. And a lot of people don't know them. And it's really important that we that we write in a clear way, that we justify what we're saying and so forth. I mean, the, the classic kind of simple example is, uh, you know, when, when I'll, I'll just go with the example since I've mentioned Donald Trump, but, you know, when he, he claimed that, uh, you know, Mexico was sending rapists and murderers, not mm -hmm. good people. And that's who were the migrants, um, you know, 
well, that just isn't true. Like the crime rate of people who are in the U.S. Um, illegally, you know, sort of uh, without proper papers is very, very low. It's lower than police officers, as it turns out. And uh, that's another political comment on the crime rate of police officers. And so that's just a fact. Like, that's a simple fact. You can still take whatever position on immigration that you want mm. uh, and say, I think we should allow more. We should allow less. We should really crack down on people coming in, you know, without proper visa. Fine. But you can't really do that by claiming that it's murderers and rapists coming in. That's just not true. And that's really important. And obviously that um, same sort of issue is... Um, well, the same sort of issue, not not immigration, but the same sort of issue of political matters being decided on emotional claims that aren't actually factual is a problem everywhere um, yeah. in all kinds of areas. Absolutely. I'd, I'd like be interested in, in your view of, as, as to the way things um, are progressing, too, in terms of um, your, your funding as an organization. You've always had a very laudable, in my view, uh, laudable approach. We won't take sponsorship and that kind of thing. Again, you've been going twenty-two years. Is is that is that a stable thing? Is that something you you still need to be concerned about? Well, we what I say is we always have to take it very seriously. Um, mm. You know, we can't say, "Oh, it's all fine. Don't worry," because uh, <laughs> as soon as people stop worrying, uh, yeah. it won't be all fine. Uh, but our model has been very successful. I mean, the public supports us, uh, you know, uh, very widely. I mean, the vast majority of the money uh, that supports Wikipedia is from the small donors. Okay. Um, and we think that's really important in terms of our intellectual independence. Um, not that we're against rich people giving us money. That's great, too, uh, or foundations <laughs> or what have you. Uh, but I think it's really important that that small donor model uh, is very powerful uh, and, you know, we the way we run the organization, we, we tend to be very conservative about spending. Um, and so every year we bring in more than we spend and we add to our reserve. We've launched a separate endowment fund uh, where we raise money. And this is the, the, the main target for the endowment fund is foundations and high net worth individuals, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing larger gifts. Um, and that works out well because they are often more interested in thinking about the long run than funding the annual budget. Um, and they're happy that we're stable. And so they they think, OK, the, yeah, the endowment fund sounds like a great idea uh, for that. So that's we've raised about 100 million so far. And we're just starting our second uh, tranche and our second campaign to raise the second 100 million. Um, and And the purpose of that is. Uh, to have a, a base of money in case of any future dire emergencies or sure. excellent opportunities. But also we've just started doing some grants. I mean, largely we plan to continue to grow the endowment and not spend it, but we are now making some grants and the, and the grants that we're doing, and I say we, because there's two boards, there's the Wikimedia Foundation board and the endowment board. I sit on both. So we, the endowment board are looking to fund things that are really long-term focused, um, really thinking about technology, uh, techn technical innovation for the future. So we're funding the machine language uh, team, machine learning, sorry, machine learning um, team uh, at the foundation, uh, things like that, to sort of think about the impact of AI and, and uh, you know, work on new tools for the community that would be a little outside of the scope of keeping the website running and, and making it nice. So. Sure. 
it must be, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but having a, a large number of smaller contributors must make you feel quite good about the about the product, as it were, to use it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's I think it's good and it's really important. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that means for the organization is that we have to care about readers um, in, in, in a really strong way because the readers are the ones who are paying for it by their voluntary donations. Sure. Uh, and that really matters. And I think it would be easy because you know how organizations are. Um, no matter what ideals they may have, it's very common for organizations to just follow the money. Uh, and so if all of your funding, the same, sometimes people say to me, uh, oh, why don't you, you know, it's a, why are you asking all these people for donations on the website all the time? You should just get Apple and Google and Facebook to pay for it. Um, and I'm sure we probably could uh, take a lot of arm twisting and, all, and, and some concessions. I mean, I think, you know, even though, uh, you know, uh, among those companies, I think they do, you know, love Wikipedia and want to support it. Why not? Um, but I, really, I, that's <laughs> what I say to people is like, think about that. You know, I, I really like that Wikipedia is funded by the public. Uh, it it mm. really insulates us against a lot of potential pressures from large donors and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. I mean, I, I use, like, I bet most people do bits and bobs on Wikipedia almost every single day, but I, I'd imagine it's probably come back into people's minds a little bit more recently when they started just playing chat GPT and Bard. How, how are you feeling about being one of the sort of main contributors yeah. to that? Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, all of our content is freely available for people to yeah. take and reuse in any way that they want. Um, I'm quite excited about the possibilities. I, I would love it if they would figure out how to be a little bit better about uh, referencing, i.e. Yeah. telling people when they got the information from Wikipedia. Although I do concede that's actually quite hard to do given the way that technology works. Uh, and then there's also the the enormous problem of accuracy and what they call hallucinations, uh, you know, uh, which, um, yeah, it's quite bad. And, uh, you know, it's um, uh, it, it limits the ability to use chat GPT for certain kinds of things um, just because it isn't yet reliable enough. It just makes up random stuff sometimes. And that's cool. uh, yeah. kind of annoying. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Yeah. Well, now, one thing that uh, BCS are quite keen on, what we've been talking about for many years is, is professionalism in the IT community, being, being accountable, being responsible mm. uh, and, and so on. I, I just wonder what your take on that might be. I would, I would imagine this would be quite important to, to your organisation, Jimmy. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, a, a lot of what we do and the way we think about things is what I'd say is a uh, an accountability model rather than a gatekeeper model. Right. So in a gatekeeper model, we would vet everybody up front and make sure that they're a qualified professor or whatever it might be mm -hmm. uh, before we let them touch anything. Whereas the accountability model is more, you know, everything, what you're doing is transparent. Other people can see the work you've done. It's tied to your account. Uh, and if you're not doing the right thing, people are going to notice and they're going to be able to call you out on it. And potentially you can get blocked if you're misbehaving or making stuff up and uh, and so forth. And so that idea of accountability versus gatekeeping, I think, has broader applicability. And I would say, particularly in the IT sector, where some of, I mean, a great many of the really fantastic programmers working in the field aren't academics. Uh, you know, they're like, it's a very accessible career to 
anyone who wants to turn in and teach themselves how to be a great programmer, uh, particularly these days, all the incredible online resources that make it possible to do that. And so it really isn't a gatekeeping model. You can't say, well, you have to pass this series of exams to become a doctor uh, and there's a licensing board. Uh, we just don't have that, uh, nor should we, in my opinion, uh, in, in our field. But that does mean you've got to sort of say, okay, well, what are the mechanisms for accountability and transparency mm. and responsibility? Um, that That's really powerful, you know, to say, don't write code that um, <clears throat> breaks democracy, for example, would sure. be uh, a hot topic these days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're speaking about three weeks after that uh, general letter came out from the Life Institute about uh, we should pause um, AI um, development. Um, BCS have given a response on that, saying that that pause is not reasonable, but that the accountability of those that work in it is the thing that counts. Would that be a similar yeah. take to yours? Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I definitely think a pause is just not plausible. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's so much going on, um, and in fact, I think a lot of people in the general public may not realize. Um, uh, how much is open source and and out there and people are are you know uh, doing all kinds of experiments and so forth. So yes, of course you've got your your huge companies with vast resources. So you've got you know OpenAI and Google and Microsoft, Bing and and so on. But you've also got you know tens of thousands. I mean I can't even estimate the numbers of people who have uh, downloaded. Uh, software, they're they're downloading images and creating uh, AI image creation, or they're experimenting with large language models with smaller data sets, of course, than what hmm. um, OpenAI can afford to put together. Um, but because all that is going on, there's there's no. It's not like well, there's just three companies who have any idea what, what this is, and we can force them to stop, or they can all agree to stop. It's just not going to happen. Like this is this is racing forward. So it is about responsibility um, and it's about transparency, I think very important. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think so far I've been relatively pleased uh, with the big companies who all say, uh, you know, quite clearly, uh, like open AI is very clear, like this makes stuff up. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's often wrong. And that's really important to understand. And here's how it works. And here's why that happens. Uh, and it's good. I mean, it's it's an interesting balance, obviously, for companies in this kind of situation, because they may have some proprietary advantages that they want to keep a little quiet. Why not? Uh, you know, they're trying to create products that are better than the competition. And that's good. And that's fine. Um, at the same time, being as transparent as they can be uh, in a way that helps the public understand what's going on and keeps the public safe, that's obviously a very important thing. Mm, absolutely. Maybe I could um, ask you just about your your sort of um, life experience a little bit. I, I, was just, I was just thinking, now you've been going 22 years or so, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently uh, as you've progressed through oh. I mean, I, I would say yes and no, but I mean, so here's the thing. I I always say I'm a pathological optimist, so I always think everything is fine. <laughs> uh, and so as a result, when I look back at, at things that didn't work, things we tried that didn't work or, or whatever, 
mistakes we made. I also think, yeah, but I know, I know how we got there. And I know we were very, we, we gathered all the information we possibly could. We made the best decision we could in good faith mm. and we got it wrong. I'm not sure how you can go back and, and do it better unless you sort of magic up some insight that you couldn't yeah. possibly have had. So for example, uh, when I, before I launched Wikipedia, I had a project called Newpedia, mm. which was the same vision to create a free encyclopedia for everyone. But I didn't know about wikis and wiki editing. And so we built this seven stage review process and it was all about emailing around Word documents and editing and you know it just didn't work. Hmm. Um, and so I could say, gee, wikis existed um, already at that time. They were very basic and simple. I could have started two years earlier uh, and I wish I did. But then again, you know, when I really think about it, I think, well, you know what we did for those two years? On the mailing list, we really talked a lot and we debated and we thought up a lot of questions about neutrality and um, how to how to structure the data. And it wasn't wasted time, really. It was, in a way, it was good that we didn't just launch right in because by the time we were able to sort of find the wiki software and, and get going on a wiki, we already had a good kind of shared vision of where we were going. I mean, that's a bit rose colored, you know, <laughs> but it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to judge the past and say, oh, I, I, yeah. yeah, of course I should have done that differently, but I'm not sure I know how I could have. So oh, that's, that's quite heartening your optimistic view, actually. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> what about the future development? Uh, how do you see things going uh, in the nearish near term future for Wikipedia? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I think um, one of the things is that, uh, the website or the app or the, you know, the way you access Wikipedia, it's not going to radically change. You know, we're not going to suddenly become uh, uh, TikTok of, you know, TikTok of words or something like that. You know, uh, the encyclopedia works, people love it, and the model is working and, and the community. So when I think about change in the future, a lot of the change will be invisible to most people. So, you know, when we see really strong growth in the languages of the developing world, yeah. um, then uh, most people don't notice that. I mean, you know, if you you speak English and German and French, I'm just making this up. I don't know. I speak English and a bit of Australian. It's quite terrible. But uh, uh, but if I weren't watching and paying attention, I wouldn't realize, uh, oh, actually, Swahili Wikipedia is hitting some interesting milestones. Right. It doesn't impact our lives day to day, but it's a huge part of our mission and our, our work is growth in those languages. So even though you don't see it, uh, it's exciting stuff that's going on there. The other thing, when we think about the technology, I would say up until very recently, I would have said, you know, I would have talked about things like, oh, improving the editing interface on mobile, even though that's always going to be hard because it's a small form factor, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Now, of course, like, like lots of people, I'm very interested in what are, what are the possible implications and opportunities in large language models? Uh, not, I don't believe it's in any way possible for any time soon for a large language model to just replace the Wikipedia community and start writing Wikipedia entries. Like that's pretty far-fetched if you really understand how the technology works and the limitations and flaws. But that doesn't mean that it's not useful and interesting. Uh, mm. So things like, you know, uh, here's... Uh, an example, if you, let's say you have a question in your mind, like, why do ducks fly south for winter? Okay, that's a that's a very common type of question that, well, normally adults don't have it as often as kids do. Mm. Um, but 
you know, kids ask adults and then you have to kind of fluster your way through it because you barely know. And so you think, oh, I'm going to go look that up. And you go and you look in Wikipedia. But where would that be in Wikipedia? It's probably there's a general article about ducks. There's probably an article about bird migration. But to get to a really concise answer that's fact-based in Wikipedia, you might have to read four or five Wikipedia entries or skim them anyway. And so it's not hard to imagine a large language model that can understand that question uh, and then go and find the relevant bits in it in Wikipedia and, and give you an answer that answers your question that's maybe not the exact words of Wikipedia, but paraphrased or whatever with a link to the, the article. That seems very well within reach so that you can then imagine some technical innovation for Wikipedia to say, oh, actually, this new technology, this AI technology, it's not about writing Wikipedia. It can be about helping people access it, helping yeah. people sift through it. Yeah. Um, I, here's another example. Um, back in the day, uh, I, I published an academic paper called um, On the Pricing of Index Options When All of the Underlying Assets Follow a Log Normal Diffusion. And yeah. it was yes, when I was working in finance and it was stochastic differential equations and so on. I'm sure if you handed me a copy of the paper today, I can't even read it. Um, but okay, so uh, one one big concept in that is Ito's lemma. It's a it's a it's a theorem in stochastic differential equations. Wikipedia has an article about it. I can't understand the article anymore. Um, and so let's say you decided you wanted to learn more about this subject area in math. Well, you could go to Wikipedia and you can start digging around and looking for simpler articles and simpler articles. Or you might enter into a dialogue with Wikipedia in the future where you say, oh, I've just I've read this article on Ito's lemma. I don't really understand it very well. What are what are some of the basic concepts I need to learn first? Can you outline that for me? Um, And it pulls from Wikipedia and it says, well, you need to do you know, you need to know about differential equations, for example. That's an important concept. You know about that? No, I don't. Okay, well, here's some articles to read. You know, so you can imagine it as a as a guide through Wikipedia Mm -hmm. that could be incredibly powerful at helping people um, self-educate in in new ways that are just, you know, that are uh, an encyclopedia is not designed to be a textbook. It's not designed to be a tutor, but it could be useful for a textbook. It could be useful for a tutor. And, and so you can start to see some really interesting possibilities there. Well, it's, that is really interesting. In fact, it brings us back to Douglas Adams, doesn't it? Because the answer might be 42, but what is the actual question? <laughs> you work out what the question is, don't you, sometimes? Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, there, there are definitely cases where... Um, yeah, where you, you're, you've got a problem or something you want to know, but you don't even know enough to know how to start researching it. Yeah. So normally we just give up and like, I don't know, it's too complicated for me. Uh, but actually you probably could learn it, um, but you just need a little a little warm handholding. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's We could give it a name from somebody intelligent, like we call it Ask Jeeves. <laughs> you might have had that already, might not we? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> can I ask you... Um, uh, it's been really interesting uh, talking to you today. Uh, thank you so much. I know we haven't got super long, but I'd, I'd like to ask you about who your IT inspirations or, or maybe your inspirations just in society are for, that keeps you going in the work that you do. Well, I mean, I, I'll name so one IT and one in society, which okay. is also sort of IT. Uh, so Tim Berners-Lee, obviously, who I obviously I know, he, he's uh, we end up in the same 
places fairly often. Um, and I just think he's sort of a great technologist, uh, but also someone who's really dedicated himself in a very thoughtful way to thinking about standards and, uh, you know, all, all of that. So he's he's obviously a great inspiration. Uh, and then Larry Lessig, who's the lawyer who created Creative Commons, uh, which is all about the free licensing, which we use Creative Commons licenses at Wikipedia. And he's gone on now. He, he works mainly on... Um, problems relating to money and politics and corruption in the US. Um, and that's the focus of his his campaigning and work uh, these days, which is a huge problem, obviously. Um, and uh, he's someone who, it's interesting, even from before I ever met him, I used to read his stuff. And I what I always said is, I don't always agree with Larry, but I always have to grapple with what he's saying. Um, and I think that's, that's, admirable you know to say yeah uh even if i would come to a slightly different conclusion he's really thoughtful and uh you know it's really impressive so excellent two great suggestions thank you very much indeed um, it's been brilliant talking to you jimmy can i thank you so much for making the time to speak to us today yeah lovely yeah fantastic well brilliant